How's it going, Higher Side Chatters? Greg Carlwood here. Just a small, short caveat and disclaimer to this episode. I tend to hate this kind of stuff. Almost all Higher Side Chats episodes are controversial and paint targets on the elite, but this is the Pizzagate show, for crying out loud, and we're dealing with really sensitive stuff and a lot of unsubstantiated claims and connections dug out of the digital ether from the true heroes of the story, the citizen investigators on the front line of this thing, David and I both mention it a few times in the show, and he's a more cautious guy than I tend to be when throwing out the details of what's reported on this subject. But I suppose we should say this is all alleged. I suppose we should say that any named names or establishments that get brought up here are innocent until proven guilty, if we'll ever even see that day. But neither of us really have any privileged information here. All we're really doing is synthesizing what could have been read on the Pizzagate subreddit before it was banned and can now be found on what I consider ground zero for this investigation, vote.co, V-O-A-T dot C-O, a Reddit-like site without all that bullshit. Personally, I've been in this conspiracy world long enough that I'm so tempted to just throw caution to the wind in what might end up being a small window of time where these types of subjects actually are on the minds of the people. But I have to pump the brakes and think about just how devastating it would be for a person or their business to get linked up in this mess because of sloppy investigating or because they have a very inconvenient logo. So this is my disclaimer. Anyone who wanted to muddy these waters could easily slip in an unsubstantiated claim or random accusation or inaccurate detail. I mean, it's the goddamn internet. We know this, but it has to be said. So we will cautiously proceed and telling you what has been uncovered so far without any more qualifying or ass covering. And let's dive deep into the dark waters of Pizzagate, John Podesta, and pedophilia with an old acquaintance and probably the most well-known journalist to make this saga a focus of his attention, David Seaman. It's the Higher Side Chats Podcast, but you can call it THC. Always talking fringe ideas, digging up conspiracies. Stuff they don't want you to know It's the stuff we want to see That's life here on the higher side It's the place for me It's my favorite show Where the guests are great And my mind gets blown The higher side Love the higher side Raise your glass and toast To Carl Wood, the host On the higher side chat show Side chatters, here we go. When it comes to the dark underbelly of the conspiracy world, one of the most consistent claims and rumors over the years about the political, religious, and Hollywood elite 
is that they maintain and protect an international child trafficking ring where they use these children for every twisted sexual desire and ritual working you might imagine, even, some say, engaging in cannibalism. Well, we've seen a few instances where these persistent allegations have been substantiated over the years. Jeffrey Epstein's private pedophile island, the Franklin scandal, and the threads of abuse that Canadian Catholic-run orphanages that guys like Kevin and Nat have been trying to expose for years. But like always, the toothpaste seems to get stuffed right back in the tube and accountability becomes a pipe dream. However, with the exposure of John Podesta's emails and the revelations about spirit cooking and what is now being called Pizzagate, it looks like the best chance yet at exposing and breaking this long-standing cycle of power and abuse. And one of the brave journalists digging deep and shouting from the rooftops about this is returning guest David Seaman. David has been one of the most prominent voices in this area, amassing over 100,000 subscribers on his YouTube channel as he's made this scandal his focus, and it's a real pleasure to have him here to walk us through this tangled web of dark connections. David, my man, welcome back to the higher side. Thanks for having me back on, Greg, and congratulations on all of your show's growth over the last couple of years. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah, you too. You seem to be doing all right yourself. I am so glad you were able to make some time for me. It's been a couple years since we talked, and you are in quite high demand right now. I was hoping with this, you know, we could really walk the listeners through what we know about spirit cooking, Pizzagate, who's involved in these scandals and all that good stuff. But maybe we should walk it back a bit, because I think a major bullet point in your story here is getting fired from Huffington Post for covering Hillary Clinton's health issues during the campaign. Tell us about what happened there, because it seems to be a bit of a catalyst for where you are now, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it's been an unexpected few months. So in the past, I was a contributor for Business Insider and Entrepreneur Magazine. My first job in media, I was a staff writer for TheStreet.com, which is a finance portal and news site located on Wall Street. And Huffington Post uh, approached me and made me a contributor based on some of my previous work and based on my YouTube channel. And so I started contributing articles there, and they were mostly about stuff not related to Hillary Clinton. They were mostly about gold and cryptocurrency, uh, Bitcoin, and just other things that were kind of on my radar. You know, I was allowed to write about whatever I wanted to write about, and they liked me so much that they eventually gave me instant publish access. So if I had something that was breaking news or was relevant, I'd give my little uh, opinion and post it right away, and it would go up, and it would compete with all their articles. So the ones about Hillary Clinton's health actually ended up on their homepage before they uh, terminated my publishing access and ended their relationship with me. And those were pretty simple articles. I was just pointing out Paul Watson's viral YouTube video, which was pointing out some of Hillary Clinton's alleged health problems. And, you know, I was suggesting that her health is much worse than the mainstream media was saying, which now we know to be correct, but at the time was apparently sacrilegious or something. And so that was stage one. But stage two was I was upset that my column was axed, a pretty good column about interesting stuff, purely because it harmed Hillary Clinton's chances of becoming president, because it outed what a sick woman she is physically as well as mentally, uh, began to tear at that thread, right? And so stage two was me sitting in my apartment, like, all right, if I lost my column as some kind of casualty of this corrupt campaign she's running, I'm going to get back at her. So I just started sifting through the WikiLeaks of her emails 
And then subsequently, the emails of her campaign chairman, John Podesta, Mm -hmm. uh, who was also Bill Clinton's chief of staff in the White House. So I started going through all these emails, not really knowing what I would find. And somebody said to me, hey, Dave, search for pizza in Podesta's emails. And they gave me a couple of other suspect terms. And once you go down that rabbit hole, you never really emerge the same person. And over the the weeks that, that followed, along with many other researchers, we came to the incontrovertible conclusion that at the very least, Hillary Clinton's campaign chairman, John Podesta, and likely many Clinton associates connected to him, are involved in what could be described as a satanic ritual abuse cult, which the elites have tried to cover up the existence of, but which has been blown wide open by these emails and which is important to talk about. It's, you know, I'm not the pedo hunter. I'm not the satanic ritual abuse cult hunter. You know, I don't really like the fact that I'm even covering this story, but it needs to be blown open because not only is it freaking weird beyond belief, it has to be blown open because there are young children's lives at stake and likely, you know, some people walking around in our world who have been thoroughly messed up by this cult's past practices. Mm-hmm. Well, you are a champion of the people, man. I love what you're doing. So to dive in, we should probably start even with spirit cooking, because I think this was the first instance of some of the elite's true darkness coming up to the surface through these John Podesta email leaks. What kind of details do we know about this aspect of the leaks? Sure. So spirit cooking is a practice of Marina Abramovic, and she is a performance artist And there are these bloody, disgusting rituals, including writing on the wall in blood. And it's considered public performance art, according to her. But when it's done in private, it takes on a spiritual context. And it's quite disgusting. That's why I'm coughing here. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can just Google her name and see some of the images. Many celebrities are into her art for whatever reason, if you can call it art. And the Podestas in one of their emails is an invite to one of these events. And that's kind of stage one of of understanding this stuff is, okay, why is somebody as important as Podesta receiving invites to a spirit cooking? That seems like pretty unorthodox stuff, right? Mm -hmm. That's one kind of ping on the radar of weirdness. Another ping on the radar of weirdness that's related is if you do a search through Hillary Clinton's emails on WikiLeaks, do a search for Moloch, of course, the pagan god that you sacrifice babies to. And Moloch, you actually get a hit in her emails because a staffer says to her that she will sacrifice a chicken in the backyard to Moloch. And so that's unusual. You know, if I were Hillary Clinton, if I were somebody's boss and I'm the secretary of state and somebody's emailing me about demonic pagan god sacrifices, I would say, hey, we got busy stuff to do. What are you emailing me about? You know, like, what is this crap? But that's not the response that she receives. So we're still in stage one, though, of creepiness. So we know for a fact that the Podestas are at some level interested in this practice of spirit cooking, which many Hollywood celebrities have either been photographed involved in or have shown an interest in. Some people claim it's just controversial modern art. But as the artist herself says, when it's done in private as a private dinner or event, it does take on a spiritual context. Mm-hmm. Right. That's the uh, kind of the duality here is there are these public performance art events that are weird enough. Someone posted a video on the Higher Side Chat subreddit that 
is supposedly one of Marina's events, and it's got all kinds of celebrities there. Like, it's a huge auditorium, and you got Will Ferrell dressed in, like, a full white suit, and there's a lot of people predominantly wearing white, and they're going up to these what look like, uh, I can't tell if they're real people or cakes made to look like real people, but a lot of mock cannibalism for sure. And of course, these are what they're willing to show in public. And it's not even an assumption because like you said, she's made mention of behind closed doors kind of events ramping this stuff up. But yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's a lot, man. Yeah, it's a lot to take in to think that this person who is just some vanilla campaign chairman for Hillary Clinton is actually one of the strangest people in public life that we've ever been given a glimpse into. And his artwork choices are extremely strange. There's a picture in his office, uh, hanging in his office, that he's been photographed in front of, which appears to show human cannibalism, you know, a person out on a table being chopped into. So there's a number of, of creepy artwork preferences of the Podestas, both John Podesta and his brother, that researchers found to be a red flag, you know, things that almost seem like the taste of a serial killer. So definitely he's got this weird statue of a body arched over decapitated. It looks exactly like the positioning that Jeffrey Dahmer used to put his victims in. He's got a, a painting of a young kid, about 10 years old, a boy shirtless and his arms bound up to the ceiling, like in some kind of BDSM situation. Um, yeah, these aren't small <laughs> accusations and they stack up. And I guess one of the major artists who he seems to be a fan of is this woman, Kim Noble. Have you looked into her much? Yeah, she is apparently a victim of one of these cults or one of these child abuse things. So she's created some artwork to process her past experiences. And there is connections to to them that I find interesting, right? I believe one of the Podestas likes her work, which I haven't looked further into that connection, but it's disturbing art. You can probably explain to your listeners what, it, what it's about. Yeah, just again, kids bound up and then cannibalism. But that was the aspect I thought was most interesting is that she has disassociative identity disorder, which is very common if you research this MK Ultra type stuff and this real ritual trauma that they induce in kids, they disassociate, they create alternate personalities. So that is a bit of a red flag that she might have been a victim in her childhood. And it's these altars that she says are the ones really painting these pictures of cannibalism and child abuse. And it is very suspect that a guy like John Podesta would be so bold. I mean, these aren't like paintings that were found under his mattress. I mean, these are six by six foot paintings in his home. Yeah, these are paintings in his home. I, I don't know if he has Kim Noble's work, but I know he does have some disturbing stuff in his home based on mainstream media articles, including a Washington Post article more than a decade ago, uh, highlighting some of his unusual art choices. So I don't know if he has Kim Noble's work specifically, but he has some very disturbing work. And if you or I had even a tenth of this stuff on our computer, much less hanging in our room, it would no doubt trigger a police investigation of some kind. You know, you have a freedom to collect what kinds of art you want, but in conjunction with some of the topics discussed in the emails, in conjunction with various facts that researchers have pieced together, any mortal who's not a part of the Beltway establishment would already be under investigation and likely would already have been interrogated on record by either state or federal law enforcement. 
And you probably agree with me there. I mean, we're, we're talking about level of yeah. weirdness that is up there. <laughs> you mentioned mm-hmm. Jeffrey Dahmer. I mean, that's that's an interesting one to mention, right? Because <laughs> that's that also involves cannibalism and fetishization of torture. Absolutely. And uh, obviously, those are great points. And so there's also another picture that is drawing the attention of a lot of the people who are investigating this stuff. It's John Podesta standing there holding up his two palms with the number 12, I believe, on one hand and a fish on the other. Have you been able to decode that at all or heard anybody um, getting to the really the crux of what that's about? Uh, I believe it's the number 14. Some people have said that it means fishing 14s. I personally don't know what the meaning is, and I haven't focused any of my investigation on that image because it just is weird. I've tried to focus on the hard data points, like him using in his emails terms that we know refer to child trafficking or refer to uh, certain kinds of children that are trafficked. And when I say we know, that's the best possible explanation at this point. You know, we're dealing in, in areas of uncertainty, but at a certain point when you rule out that somebody is using code words to discuss drug use or to discuss national security issues. And when there's already an existing sub-community of people around the world who use these terms to describe very specific things, you have to begin to say, okay, we have to give weighting to the possibility that these emails are really talking about child trafficking and are really talking about the torture and abuse of young children in part in service of some kind of ritual abuse cult. Mm-hmm. Right. And the codes that are in these emails, this really is kind of the crucial point. And, and it really is the battleground between the skeptics and the naysayers and the investigators who are saying, look, there really is something here. And of course, a lot of it is food based codes. But give us a little more detail on those codes and you know how strongly the contention is that this is pedophile related. Sure. And I want to apologize to your listeners if you heard kind of weird recordings of me talking a couple minutes ago. I was trying to close. I was trying to close out my uh, video editor because before we started, I was editing today's video. There's so much information coming in that I can barely get the videos out fast enough. You know, mm-hmm. so many twists and turns. And you mentioned interviews. The BBC contacted me through somebody I don't even know. A kind of a weird way to contact somebody for an interview, right? So they contacted me through somebody I don't even know with the demand that I reply with either a yes or no. And it's so bizarre how some of the media are taking this stuff. You know, it's like instead of these weird interview requests, why don't you look into the emails that me and many other people have brought up on our YouTube channels? Look into the emails yourself. Contact the people involved for public comment or quote or explanation and then run a segment on it. That's the purpose of the media is to gather facts and then run a segment on what you find. But instead, they're so shocked by this stuff that they're like, oh, let's talk to the pizza gators. Let's talk to the people who are covering it. But no, we're just the first wave. Like it's the journalist's job at the BBC to cover this and to put together a package and then to run it. Right. Mm-hmm. So like I've, I'm just bringing this up now before we delve into what you asked. Because I don't normally get that. I think this is a story that's so weird that it's causing establishment media to act in weird ways. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, to give you another example, the whole fake news narrative. In more than 10 years of working in and out of corporate media, I've never seen the push to label alternative media as fake news. Mm -hmm. It's totally bizarre, and it seems more uniform 
than any kind of natural pushback against online media would be. You know, it seems like it's literally just a talking point that some old douchebag in D.C. sent out to all these people. And now they're like, fake news, fake news, fake news to to stop us from talking about what we're talking about right now. Yeah, it's very telling. It, it does seem to be just they're throwing it out there so much to drown out the truth in this matter. And you mentioned the BBC. From what I understand, you're also going to be going on The Daily Show to talk about this in a Pizzagate panel, which I never thought I'd see that day. Right. I mean, The Daily Show, they want to cover this. They've invited me on. And at least they're doing it the right way. Like, have people on. Don't just, like, do this creepy thing the BBC is doing. I haven't done anything wrong by outing this in videos. The people who are outed are the ones who need to be worried about the BBC asking around about them, you know? Mm -hmm. Very unusual. But to go back to your question, we have relative certainty at this point. So words like pizza to denote a young child of a certain gender and words like hot dog, of course, to denote a male child. Researchers at this point, since the references are clearly not to actual food bought in restaurants and are clearly not to drug use and don't appear to be references to national security items, uh, researchers believe that it is, in fact, referring to young children in a sexual context. Now, what's really interesting here, we got a breakthrough recently, and that's that all of this research obviously hinges on these code words being what we think they are, right? Mm -hmm. So it, it all hinges on that. And if they're truly just in love with cheese pizza and walnut sauce and hot dogs, and if torture chamber is truly just a euphemism for somebody's office, which I don't think it is, <laughs> if that's the case, then our research falls flat, right? But luckily, uh, people came across a tweet that Andrew Breitbart had put out more than five years ago actually a series of tweets from early February 2011. And in those tweets, Andrew Breitbart, who was to die the next year of a heart attack in March 2012, I believe, without looking at my notes. So we have these tweets from five years ago, Andrew Breitbart, who at the time was one of the most controversial and frankly one of the best independent journalists operating in the U.S., and this is years before any of these WikiLeaks emails came out with the iffy use of pizza and hot dogs and other terminology, years before any of that stuff. And Andrew Breitbart, from his verified account, which has not been deleted, he was tweeting wondering why John Podesta, naming him specifically, he was wondering why John Podesta is not already a household name as a operator and as a cover-upper, -er, to use his phrase, of an underage sex slave operation. I mean, this is dark stuff, underage sex slaves for the elites. And so Andrew Breitbart was tweeting about this stuff five years ago, and people probably had no idea what he was talking about. But researchers find this to be totally significant because now this journalist that many of us respected who's dead, he was on the same trail and drawing the same conclusions but using very different data, right? Because he didn't have these emails and he didn't have these code words. So what did Andrew Breitbart come across that led him to believe so strongly John Podesta was involved in trafficking underage children? This is a great corroboration that researchers today, looking at all these code words in the WikiLeaks emails, are not just crazy people, right? Because they're drawing the same conclusions based on a new data set that Andrew Breitbart would not have been able to see at the time. Right. Right. And then, uh, you know, he died, obviously, 
not long after. And, um, you know, these codes, you're right. They, that's such a crucial point, how this all hinges kind of on those codes. I mean, of course, there are the pictures and other weird tangential things, but these codes are key and they come from, I believe, the FBI's own website for their investigation of child trafficking. Is that right? Well, that's an interesting thing to bring up because WikiLeaks around the time of these emails going out and being, uh, you know, analyzed and sifted through by many of us online in our spare time, right around the time these Podesta emails start to make the rounds, WikiLeaks tweets out a link to a file they've uploaded of a declassified FBI document showing how to point out or how to how to uh, spot people involved in child trafficking and people making references to pedophilic preferences. So at the time, you know, WikiLeaks just randomly tweets this out. What's the relevance to the emails? Oh, I get it. They're trying to hint that there's something in the Podesta emails that deserves our attention. And it is true. If you apply some of the same symbols and some of the terminology, you see a level of correlation that's disturbing. Mm -hmm. Right. And the context is key. Some of the indications, I wrote down a couple of quotes to show people that this really isn't food they're talking about. One that I think is most telling is someone says, I'd love to get a pizza for an hour. I mean, who spends an hour with a pizza? And then, of course, there's other ones like the realtor found a handkerchief. I think it has a map that seems pizza related. And uh, another one is Obama spent $65,000 flying in pizza and hot dogs from Chicago are we using the same channels? So that's a, a curious thing. And also, as you've mentioned in one of your videos, they can't be flying in real pizza and hot dogs because at the White House, outside food is a serious security risk. And they, they have in-house chefs to prepare all the president's food. So these are some of the things. Also, you mentioned the comment of sacrificing a chicken to Moloch in the backyard. Chicken is also a code word for a kid, I believe, right? Yeah, there's actually a term in the uh, pedophile community that chicken is a term for a very young child, like a toddler or baby. And so now there's new context to that email that Hillary Clinton received, sacrificing a chicken in the backyard to Moloch. We have possible new context there. Thank you for bringing that one up. Yeah, who, who goes to a pizza for an hour? It's very unusual stuff. There are other references where it, it doesn't appear to be a physical, a literal piece of pizza. So between that and the Breitbart tweets, we have a relative level of confidence here. And again, if this were a mere mortal and not somebody so closely connected to the Clintons, if this were just any of us, we would already be dragged in for a police interrogation at the least. There's enough here that's it's troubling, you know. Right. And to tie this back into Clinton's health, one of the most shocking aspects to me are these claims that what's wrong with Hillary and Bill, for that matter, is that they have a disease called Kuru. To give the listener some context, Kuru is a neurological disorder found among the cannibals of Papua New Guinea that comes from consuming a prion that is in human flesh. The symptoms being body tremors, laughing sickness, sudden bouts of laughter, unsteady stance, decreased muscle control. And in the later stages, which, well, of course, those things are all, I think, things we've seen from Hillary on the campaign trail. But in the later stages, the telltale sign is that a person develops an ulcer or a cyst on their tongue about the size of a dime. And there are clear pictures of something like that on her tongue. 
and you find less clear ones that look like Bill has the same thing, I mean, this is out there, man. But do those symptoms and the other things you've been seeing lately suggest that there is anything to this thread? Well, I've seen a lot of things in the WikiLeaks emails that would suggest these are members of a satanic ritual abuse and child trafficking cult. I've seen enough there to believe that. The Kuru stuff, I read up on that a little bit. The researcher on my channel, Megan, I believe she's finishing up a video now where she delves into some of those claims. I find it interesting, but we have to keep in mind these are also people who are old, and it could easily be another neurological disorder like Parkinson's or something like that. And none of my research or investigation really hinges on the Kuru claims. It's interesting. It's another additional you know, piece of data that seems to point us in a certain direction. But I wouldn't want to hinge what I'm saying on that, you know? Right. Absolutely. And so to get into the real nitty gritty details, I mean, beyond the strange code, there are businesses and players involved. How did this saga move from the recognition of the strange code and emails to actually zeroing in on locations and people. Sure, yeah. So there was a pizza shop with connections to Podesta that was identified, Comet Ping Pong and Pizza, which mm -hmm. operates in Washington, D.C., and they have a public Instagram account. And so as researchers went through that Instagram account and the uh, personal Instagrams of employees of that pizza shop, but mainly, keep in mind, mainly the public Instagram account and mainly the public Instagram of the owner of this particular pizza shop, they found images that were so inexplicable and so disturbing that they archived many of those images and put them on Reddit. There was a subreddit dedicated to researching this stuff, rpizzagate, and they put those images on in case, you know, the owners were to delete or take their Instagrams private. And as they began to research through the meanings and possible context of these disturbing images of, of very young children being displayed in ways that are fetishized, bizarre uses of pizza that seems sexualized in nature, that sort of thing, and stuff that just appeared weird, that just appeared wrong, like images in the bathroom of the ping pong place of an alien playing ping pong against somebody, and next to the alien somebody had written, shut up and fuck. Not exactly age appropriate for a children's ping pong place to shut up and fuck. So researchers started to delve into what all this stuff might mean when Reddit decided to delete and ban the entire Pizzagate community. And then it later came out that the CEO of Reddit, for some reason, had even swooped in the several comments over on Donald Trump's subreddit and had deleted or edited those comments by hand, I believe manually edited them. Uh, so very strange stuff. The reaction on Reddit of deleting the whole community and all of that research was very bizarre. But a lot of the research was obviously immediately uh, mirrored elsewhere. And there's just no other explanation for this stuff. When you look through these people's Instagrams, and indeed, when you look through the photos that are posted on Comet Ping Pong's own Instagram account, something is not correct here. These are not correct levels of interest in young children coming from supposedly mentally okay professional adult age men. Does that make sense? Absolutely it does. And you mentioned the uh, Reddit CEO, Steve Huffman. It is super suspect. He banned Pizzagate, but apparently they do have some type of pedo chat subreddit. And it's, Reddit also has a history 
I remember in its infancy, before I ever really got on there, there were a smattering of pedophilia subreddits that had to be shut down. And with this citizen investigation they're doing, people are digging into CEO Steve Huffman's prior comments. Because you can look at a, a user's profile and see all the threads they've commented on. And they found a couple where he had been hanging out and subscribed to a cannibalism subreddit in the past. So here we go again. Another strange connection to these unsavory things. That is strange. Yeah. So... With Comet Ping Pong, the owner, this James Alephantis, what's interesting is he was once listed as the 49th most influential person in D.C. by GQ magazine. So these aren't, you know, low guys in the totem pole. Apparently, George Soros, one of his controlled super PACs, also distributed a sizable amount of funds to PACs that were chaired by this James Alephantis guy. Obama and Clinton have both had fundraisers at Comet Ping Pong. There's a, a lot to be said there. Yeah, Hillary has sent him a letter thanking him for his help hosting a dinner or doing a fundraising event. And that is on his Instagram account or on the pizza shop's Instagram account. So there's clearly a close connection between the pizza shop and Hillary Clinton. And yeah, this, this really raised some red flags with researchers. Why is this random pizza shop owner the 49th most powerful person in Washington, D.C., according to GQ magazine? Uh, normally... If you're that powerful, you have to provide a service to other powerful people. They don't just randomly decide to make you very powerful and wealthy. So how does that happen? What service is this pizza shop guy providing? And further, people have found, looking through the records, that he's visited the White House five times, visited the Obama White House, that is, five times, and has met with Obama there at least one of those times. So that seems like a lot of access to give a random pizza shop employee or owner, rather, a lot of access for the president to give a pizza shop owner. What is going on here? And then, of course, you know, we will, we'll probably get to this in a little bit. But the blowback that me and some other people received from mainstream media outlets like The Washington Post and like uh, CBS's TV affiliate in D.C., choosing to slander people like me as online bullies rather than calling us what we are, journalists and researchers, but slandered us as online bullies. And the Washington Post came out with an unnamed editorial defending this pizza shop. This is unusual behavior. Do you remember the last time that the Washington Post editorial board has defended a pizza shop that got negative reviews online? And the New York Times, too, put out a piece that researchers found to be like a 10 out of 10 on the, the weirdness scale. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, I can't remember anything like this, man. It is definitely unique in a lot of ways. And you mentioned the reviews. From what I've been reading, the reviews of the restaurant are very bizarrely polarized. Websites describing it positively note that there are regularly, quote, unsupervised children running around. There's a video out of someone from inside Comet Ping Pong and in the background, it sounds like you can hear a kid screaming, help me. Very dark stuff. Well, there's also the video put out by Jack Posobiec, who was a CBS News staffer and then was on Citizens for Trump doing a millennial outreach. And he went there and did a, a Periscope, a live stream, I believe. And he was interviewed by Infowars recently. And he said that when he went in there, the vibe was just very strange. Like people were super happy. The patrons of that pizza shop were very happy 
uh, like unusually so. And he goes into some of the details of the layout of the restaurant and how weird it is, how there's a curtain in the back with kids coming and going. And how there is what, what he describes as demonic art on the walls, all a little weird for a place that's basically catering to the same age group that Chuck E. Cheese's caters to, you know? Mm-hmm. And also with that guy, didn't he get kicked out once he started filming with his phone inside there? He was escorted out by two Washington, D.C. police officers. So he believes that they they might have been tipped off in advance. And as I said in one of my videos on YouTube talking about that incident, I said, what crime did he commit or what suspected crime did he commit by ordering a garlic knot at a pizza shop? I mean, he was booted out within five minutes or so. So that leads you to believe that there's there's something going on here. There's something really weird. And this isn't just a bunch of online bullies and a bunch of bored researchers choosing to randomly destroy the life of some pizza shop owner. Like, I don't have a history of randomly attacking restaurant owners, you know? <laughs> right. And to get in a little more into the details of James' Instagram feed or the Instagram feed of Comet Ping Pong, there's one painting of two naked people 69ing on a flying slice of pizza. There's a little girl with her hands bound with electrical tape to a table, a weird cement room with some subtle red stains on the floor. When you say little girl, just remind your listeners how young we're talking about, because we're not talking about some model who is doing a little bit of BDSM. We're talking about something that is not age appropriate. Right. Like, would you say five or six? If even, yeah, I would say five or six is a fair guess. God. Yeah. And then there's pictures of some underground digging, like a, a tunnel being dug there. And on this Instagram, the citizen investigators have found this guy named uh, Aaron Rao, I guess is how you pronounce it. He was caught liking a bunch of James's creepy toddler Instagram posts. Have you looked into this Aaron guy and, and what, what his job is? No, I haven't. I, I understand that some other people have looked into him a bit. And I just want to remind people, it's not a crime to like somebody's Instagram account or somebody's Instagram post, but it is unusual. It's an unusual connection that researchers have drawn. Right. These things all stack up. And I, I wrote a note down here that I pulled from, because when this all was happening, I was grabbing these these Reddit things and just copying them into Word documents. And then, of course, they disappeared. But something I had here was that somebody had wrote this Aaron Rao. It's A-R-U-N. R-A-O. It's a strange name, but guess what his actual job is? Assistant U.S. Attorney for the Department of Justice, Supervisor of the Southern Division Office for the Department of Justice District of Maryland. Comet Pizza is technically in Washington, D.C., but it's practically on the border of Chevy Chase, Maryland, which is Rouse jurisdiction. And funny enough, he's responsible for child pornography cases. So here's someone who's career is about investigating this stuff and he's liking these strange cryptic photos on james's instagram who owns comet ping pong which has all this strange stuff going on so this is a a real level of creep because the people who are supposed to be going after these guys are liking their instagrams it is unusual <laughs> So to bring in Besta Pizza, that's another location. Uh, what's the deal with that? It's two doors down from Comet Pizza, right? I believe that one had a symbol in its previous logo, which has now been replaced just recently. 
Uh, in its previous logo, uh, a symbol was concerning to researchers because it looked almost identical to a symbol that was found in that FBI document on how to spot child predators. So beyond that, I haven't looked into any of the details of that second shop, so I wouldn't want to speak out on, on them, but that's the only thing I'm aware of. There. So this is what I see. You mentioned this logo, and you're right. I wish this show sometimes had a visual component, but what seems to be the trend is symbols that have a smaller version of the exact same symbol inside it. In Best of Pizza's case, it's a triangle with a triangle inside it. What I've also read or seen is that across the street is a place called Terrasol, and it has a symbol of a heart inside of another heart. And the code here is the big and little. You know, it's a real creepy kind of pedophilia thing about a small child and an adult, the big and the little in these symbols. And that seems to be the code. But yeah, Best of Pizza is dark. And apparently, you know, I, I guess I should say that all this is alleged because I'm just taking things and I think we're both just taking things that we've seen all these citizen journalists compile. And I guess we can't vet every one of them, but they stack up. Well, this is a this is a good point. This is a good time for me to make this point, which is that this stuff is very interesting when you piece it all together. It seems like there's definitely a weight of truth here, and what that truth is remains to be seen, to be sure. But there is something here that cannot be explained away as the simple operations of pizza shops or as the simple, you know, nitty-gritty of everyday social media existence. And so there is something here, but I want to be careful about people who are going into some of these restaurants and shops and, and digging into this stuff. Very quickly, you can get on a tangent. And I just want to make clear with your listeners that me personally, I'm not hinging any of what I say on that second pizza shop, nor even on Comet Ping Pong and Pizza, as profoundly creepy as this stuff is that has come out. I'm not basing any of my claims on the stuff about Comet Ping Pong or any other business in the D.C. area. And in fact, to focus too much on them brings you know, legal implications because we're talking about allegations that researchers have made. I'm talking about simply what's in the verified WikiLeaks emails, many of which at this point have been cryptographically verified. So we know that they were really sent from and received to John Podesta's Gmail account. and. Just based on that stuff alone, I believe that the public should be outraged and that there should be demands for an immediate police investigation of some kind interrogating the people involved in these emails. That's what I'm saying. So this other stuff is like really fascinating, but researchers have to be careful not only because of the legal implications. You could be unearthing evidence that is still evidence, right, stuff that we could actually use in a court of law in six months or a year's time. So we just want to be careful about pulling at the yarn nonstop until we understand what we're looking at. Well said. It is definitely good to be cautious, especially since this is such a unique case and such a crucial case if we want anything to actually be done about it. The only added point I would say about Best of Pizza, according to the online researchers, is that, yes, it has this symbol and its logo that is supposedly associated with pedophilia. Its owner on paper is a guy named Andrew Klein. Andrew Klein works as one of the four attorneys in the Human Trafficking Prosecution Unit of the Department of Justice. He's one of only four, and he was appointed to this position by Bill Clinton. 
that's a pretty serious thread that kind of ties into that last guy. But it does seem like people in the Department of Justice who are tasked with going after pedophiles are in some ways connected. <laughs> and that's not very hopeful for the idea of prosecution. Well, I believe there's another Andrew Klein that might be the owner of that. I haven't confirmed which Andrew Klein owns that restaurant because there's another Andrew Klein in the D.C. area. But you stack all these things together, it is unusual. It is unusual that the NYPD has a laptop from Anthony Weiner, which contains 650,000 emails, some of them supposedly so bad that it made the NYPD chief sick and angry. And yet it seems like that, that laptop and that investigation has sort of gone down the black hole. You know, like mm -hmm. the, the rumors that I've heard are that the Justice Department or somebody within the Obama admin has pretty much crushed whatever the NYPD was working on. But this was a real thing. You know, Eric Prince, the founder of Blackwater, he had mentioned this laptop grab, as had General Flynn on his Twitter account. So this is a very real thing that apparently went nowhere, but it seems like it could be the, the black uh, box, so to speak, for what this thing actually is. Mm -hmm. And to get back to the actual emails and documentation, apparently... James Alephantis is the former boyfriend of David Brock, the CEO of Correct the Record. And Correct the Record is an organization that was very involved in manipulating Reddit during the campaign in Hillary's favor, it seems. And there were a lot of comments on Reddit where they would say, I bet you can pinpoint when this election's over the exact moment Correct the Record stops their manipulation. And sure enough, there were a bunch of screen grabs and stuff where they would say, look, here's clearly a pattern that's existed through the whole campaign. And then, boom, it stops as if you were paying someone to manipulate Reddit. And then the job was done. But David Brock, apparently in these emails, has sent out some invites to after parties to John Podesta. Right. And there's a thread there. Yeah, there appears to be a social thread between Brock and some of these people for sure. Right. And, you know, another thing I had gotten off of the subreddit about these after parties is there's apparently a documentary on Hollywood pedophilia called An Open Secret. And they talk very in depth in this documentary about Hollywood pedophilia. And at these mansion parties, they call them, quote, after parties. And Brock Pierce is mentioned as a ringleader. And there's a quote that says, here's a party tip. If you're hosting an impromptu dinner and want guests to show up, have Academy Award winner Mira Sorvino as your guest of honor. That's exactly what Kimball Stroud did after Savina attended a briefing on child trafficking on Capitol Hill. So, you know, the, the theme that uh, obviously I keep bringing up in this thread is that there seems to be people who in their public persona are all against this stuff. And then behind closed doors seem to be attending parties and connected to it you know, way closer than is comfortable. Well, I believe you said Brock Pierce. Uh, David Brock is a different person. But yeah, there's a number of connections here that are unusual, to say the least. They are. And that might have been my mistake. But my notes do say Brock Pierce in this instance. And they are copy pasted from these threads, basically. But David Brock is the one sending invites to his after parties in the Podesta emails. And Brock Pierce is a guy who's heavily tied to the Bitcoin community. But either way, we do, of course, want to be accurate with these sorts of claims. Well, yeah, David Brock is the correct the record guy. And yeah, I, I think that 
I mean, all this stuff warrants an investigation. Where's the FBI on this stuff? Like, this is craziness. Like, when you piece it all together, there's something going on here. And we're smart people. I'm in contact with very smart people. And none of us have any explanation for this other than exactly what we've been saying, which is that there's some kind of child trafficking cult within elite communities, and it's not receiving law enforcement attention for whatever reason. In fact, it might be receiving kind of openly, might be openly ignored for whatever reason. And it appears like it's a real thing. And with each passing day, as the media gets weirder and weirder about it or chooses not to cover it at all, I'm beginning to place myself in the camp that there is truly something here that that will not go away until we uncover it. That's true. And Joe Biden is another one I wanted to bring up because I don't think he's mentioned in the emails, but there are some videos of him online that are pretty damning. They're very creepy in the way that he is touching and talking to government officials, young kids during some type of photo op. I'm sure you've seen this, but do you have any thoughts on Biden? It's profoundly creepy. If you do a search on YouTube for Joe Biden creepy, it will auto suggest to you a number of other terms and videos and spend 30 minutes on YouTube just going through some of those Joe Biden creepy videos. And then you tell me that you think Joe Biden is a normal person, because, you know, if you were to do some of those things to a 10 year old or 13 year old girl, while it's being recorded on C-SPAN or while it's going out live on C-SPAN, I guarantee you there would be a knock on your door from the authorities of some kind. So it seems like it's almost the open secret in D.C. that Joe Biden has unusual preferences. And uh, there's even a tweet that somebody came across. I forget who the reporter was, but a reporter who was covering the White House, I believe. And it was mentioned that Joe Biden uh, asked a girl how old she was, and Joe Biden assumed she was 16, and it turns out she was six or seven. So I'll put all these data points together. There is something unusual about Joe Biden that cannot be explained by mere friendliness, nor by the inclination of politicians to be photographed with smiling children and babies. Right. And there's also a picture of a tweet someone captured of Joe Biden's where he's presenting Obama with his 55th birthday present, which is a friendship bracelet that contains four charms, and one of them, conveniently, is a slice of pizza. It is unusual, isn't it? It is. It is. Man, so another aspect I'm curious if you've dug into is human trafficking out of Haiti and the connection to the Clinton Foundation. Have you looked into this thread? I haven't looked all that closely, and it's probably a good thing that I haven't, because one of the researchers who was going down that road actually flew to Haiti, is my understanding. I didn't know her personally, but had read some of her posts she made on social media. She flew down to Haiti to get a better answer and wound up dead, the researcher Monica Peterson, and that was just recently. Yeah, man, that is one of the major concerns I have about this material, is it seems to be the most dangerous stuff. I mean... Breitbart died. There seems to be a couple of other guys that I, I found online, one with the last name Crowley, who was found, his whole family dead in a, a murder-suicide. He was working on a documentary. There was uh, another investigator, Max Spears, I believe is the name, another guy who ended up dead, who texted his mother before he died, if anything happens to me, investigate. 
Of course, your last tweet before you left Twitter was a little concerning that read, if anything happens to me, it's not a suicide. Well, I've I've experienced, just to briefly touch on that, I've experienced heart problems in this past week. And I don't have a history of heart problems. I've never had this issue before. So I just had concerns in light of how I'm one of the more visible people on YouTube discussing this, you know? Absolutely. But yeah, no, there's definitely some kind of thread here that you can't discount because the math, I'm a very big math guy. I'm all about math and logic. That's what governs my investigations is math and logic and, you know, adhering to Occam's razor as closely as possible. And so why do a conspiracy show like yours if that's the case? Well, sometimes the conspiracy is the only logical answer, Mm -hmm. you know, and that appears to be the case here. There's something here where the mathematical probability of all these people dying just as they're researching a satanic ritual abuse cult is a little unusual. Max Spears specifically was was researching the satanic cult when I believe he started coughing up like a black liquid and then was found dead or something. So we can't discount this as mere coincidence. Right. So as we are closing the the books on this, because Reddit and Twitter have censored the conversation so much, people are now going to this other platform, vote.co. Is that the place to be now? Oh, that's not the one I thought you were going to say. You thought I was going to say Gab. Uh, I would say the place to be right now, if not listening to your show, is the comment section of YouTube. There's surprisingly a lot of real discussion that occurs there, depending on what video you're watching, obviously. Hmm. But the comment section of YouTube is interesting. But for social networks, for social media, I'm a big fan of Gab.ai recently. Gab, Gab A or however it's pronounced, but Gab.ai is the address. And it's supposed to be a replacement for Twitter because a number of us were unhappy with uh, Twitter's censorship and banning decisions during the election. It seemed to be heavily uh, focused on one side politically, just heavily focused on the right. right. So that struck a number of people as wrong. And uh, more recently, Twitter decided to ban some of the Anons who are uncovering pedophile accounts on Twitter rather than banning the thousands of pedophile accounts. So for those reasons and for other reasons related to Twitter's CEO, Jack Dorsey, it seems like people are getting fed up with Twitter. At least I am. At least many of my uh, viewers are. So I spend my time when I want to tweet something, I go over to Gab and tweet it over there. It's like a combination between Twitter and Reddit. And your your post there can be a bit longer than on Twitter, too. So it's it's kind of a cool place. It's still in the early days. Nice. Yeah, that was the next one I was going to bring up. Are, are you familiar with uh, Vote.co? No, I'm not familiar with Vote.co beyond knowing that it's like a Reddit competitor, right? Right. And well, you definitely should, man, because that is, since everything's disappeared on Reddit, that is where things are now being, it's just like Reddit, you know, it's a very parallel thing, but they again have stated that they're not going to do censorship. And so the big investigative community is over at vote.co right now. And that's where I pulled a lot of this stuff, this extra stuff from, and you should check it out because right there on the front page is an open letter to you. (laughs) Really? What, what is it? Uh, what is it saying? Is it thanking me for spending weeks doing this? It is. It is. And it's also some people trying to give you a little bit of advice about the upcoming Daily Show appearance and their suggestion to you, which, you know, I think is probably a decent one, is they're very skeptical about how this is going to be handled because it is from a major media company. And one of their suggestions to you would be to bring bring the photographs from 
the Snapchat or from the Instagram, some of the most those damning photographs so that you can actually hold them up if they try to paint you in some kind of corner. And you can say, you know, look at this. You know, you could show the people that and that those are those images are kind of hard to ignore and they might be helpful in helping you make your case if you do get kind of jumped. Yeah, th- those are interesting points, but they have edit capability, so there's no like there's no stumping them. I'm not going to be able to just jump in an image and then they can't cut it out, you know. So there's <laughs> there's a certain level of decorum that I think is expected on both sides, and if they breach it on their end, the public will hear from me in terms of I'll I'll let people know that it was doctored or that it was not the actual tone of the interview. But beyond that, I'm going to go in there with enough that I feel will convince their viewers there's something there. And beyond that, it's not my responsibility. It's going to be the responsibility of law enforcement. So, Fair points. Yeah, of course, this isn't a, a live program, but definitely check it out. It's uh, vote spelled like boat with a V dot C-O. You'll do. Yeah, I know that there was uh, some Pizzagate links there, but I hadn't checked it out myself. So For sure. I guess one other thing is, is there a next step to this investigation or a path to prosecution that you see that people who are listening who might feel a little disempowered right now, they might be inspired by? Well, if you have concerns about these emails and the Podestas have any involvement in your state, you can certainly contact your state police. But an investigation of this scale, you need the FBI. And I'm, I'm hopeful that we'll have a more politically unfettered FBI after the inauguration. So... Uh, hopefully there will be some kind of national investigation into this, but we'll we'll find out at the end of uh, January, I guess. So, right on. Any steps for you personally going forward, or any place you would a- you would ask people to follow up with you in the ongoing investigation? Yeah, I'm going to keep posting video updates. If you just search my name on YouTube, uh, you'll find my channel. I'm going to keep people posted, but I don't want to just traffic bait. You know, like. Unless there's a big update on Pizzagate, I'm not putting out another video because everything I've already put out so far, you know. So when big stuff comes to the forefront, I'll do a new video. But just somebody finding a new connection at one of these pizza shops is not enough for me to, to you know, do a new thing. So, mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, David, thanks so much, man. You are one of the best. You know, you had me back on your program when you had the David Seaman Hour going. That was one of the probably highest profile shows I had been on at that time. So I'm much appreciative to you for that. And this is definitely one of the most important issues of our time. We can't let it slip away like these things tend to do. So keep doing the good work you're doing out there, man, and definitely try to stay safe. Thank you. And yeah, it really is important. I mean, I know that you're a a conspiracy show, but in in these two hours, you've done the work that that journalist at the BBC should be doing, you know, so... (laughs) I think in the weeks ahead, people are definitely going to look somewhere for good information. And uh, this interview will hopefully be one of them. I hope so. Well, thanks for that, man. And do take care. You too. Thank you. All right. Peace, man. All right, people. David Seaman and Pizzagate. We did it. He is one of the highest profile journalists covering Pizzagate right now. And no disrespect to him. But that's kind of like being the world's tallest midget because there's really nobody covering it. And I am shocked. How quickly people are getting into this it's been debunked chorus line. I was watching a Joe Rogan podcast and I used to really like this other comic, Brian Callen. But as soon as Pizzagate comes up, he shut it down with this. It's all been debunked by the New York Times and other credible journalists. Stop talking about it. And it's so frustrating how sure he is. But between 
the time me and David recorded this interview a couple days ago, and now I'm hearing that more and more and more. That's just one example. This shooter only helps their case too. And all I really know about it is that apparently he has some IMDB credits that mention skills that could relate to or be useful in a scenario like this or as a crisis actor, that kind of thing. Look, I don't know exactly what happened there, and you really can't know, but I'm suspicious when something so neatly fits in with what the power elite would do if they were trying to do damage control. You flood the airwaves with, this is a hoax story from fake news websites, it's all PSYOP, and then you stage a shooter to ice the cake and say, not only is this a hoax from conspiracy theorists, now it's actually dangerous. Now if you're talking about Pizzagate, you're feeding into it and you're fueling these radicals who might bring a gun into an innocent establishment, and you see how it's very convenient for them? Now is it possible some lunatic read something online and brought a gun to Comet Ping Pong and there's no deeper story than that? Absolutely. Either is possible. I absorb mainstream opinions and conspiratorial ones, and I think if you take the conspiracy view, in most cases, you're going to be right more than you're wrong, and if you assume the elite are manipulating reality, engineering it to their benefit, and abusing their power, in most cases, there's going to be something to that. And when you're wrong, I still say, fuck them, there's always going to be shit they're doing that we don't even know about. But as for Pizzagate, even I prefaced this show with a disclaimer. And that was recorded before there was a shooter, because this is such a serious thing, and you don't want to tag people and businesses as pedophile hubs if it's not true. But how are we ever going to know if we can't hear the arguments? The mainstream news just says it's a fake story, so if we want the details, we gotta look at them. And I felt like I did the heavy lifting in terms of details in this show. David is a little more hesitant to talk about them. But for these very reasons, we can't just say, Pizzagate, Pizzagate. We have to lay it all out there. We have to make the case. So that's what I wanted to do. And some threads here are stronger than others. That's okay. Everyone makes up their own mind. Once the arguments have been made, that's the higher side way. I did want to read you this, though. It's long, so I didn't feel the need to take up David's time with it. But these are apparently some instructions from a Comet Ping Pong app of some kind. And these instructions were screen captured from their Facebook wall, if I'm not mistaken. So... Could someone have just thrown this up there after hearing about this whole thing just to fuck with people? Again, of course. But if there was a pedophile ring that did have an app of some kind and wanted to allude to what was going on here, I wouldn't be surprised if it sounded something like this. But it reads, Last month's satisfied customers were raving about our pizza, and we know you will too. Repeat customers know the drill. For newcomers, spelt C-U-M-M-E-R-S, First, run the program given to you by your special friend, and all instructions on how to enjoy this joyous hobby will be easily understandable. But please remember the penalties for breaking the rules, which are also included in the program. Very few have broken the rules, and needless to say, the penalties are harsh. All pricing is included in the app. The app will only run once, and the following requirements must be met. The app is to run from your own personal computer that only you have access to. The computer must be connected to the internet when run. The app must run from your home. You must destroy the media on which you received the app. And remember the password that will activate the app as there will be no icons on your computer. November specials. This month we have five fresh pizzas for your enjoyment. We also have four surviving pizzas from last month's session. 
All are on sale at an extremely low price as they are in poor health and not expected to survive, so it is a requirement that you finish eating your pizza after your session. This month's special includes a 30% off discount for severe torture. Each image below is available for $1,000 in fine print. Andrew also has some prints he would like to sell, so contact him for more information. They are true masterpieces. And it is the boldness of that last part about extreme torture and a discount that makes me wonder. But either way, it's an interesting thing to add to an already fairly large pile. Maybe all of this is true. Maybe half of it's true. Maybe it's just the tip of the iceberg. But if any of it's true, I mean, that's too much. Also, in the first hour, there was a little confusion over Brock Pierce and David Brock. I thought I had my notes right, and I actually did, but I sort of second-guessed myself there. And just to clarify, owner of Comet Ping Pong, James Elephantis, used to date David Brock, who's the CEO of Correct the Record, a PR firm that manipulated Reddit and social media for Hillary during the campaign. He is also the one who sent out an invite for his after-party, which is suspect in this context. Now, Brock Pierce is a guy who's big in the Bitcoin community. I don't know much more about him, except he's rich, and Bitcoin is very useful for people doing illegal things. It has other uses too, yada, 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 but it is useful for illegal things. My notes here say that according to the documentary in Open Secret, they named Brock Pierce as the ringleader of those parties. I went back, and that is correct. Here's a listen. Everyone was promoted to drink, 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 drink. I never had one drink ever before in my life until I was at that MNC estate. I don't ever recall ever drinking. I mean, 14 years old, it wasn't the top of my list. There was an after party. Michael Egan, Brock Pierce, Chad Shackley, and Mark Collins Rector were present. Drugs were made available to us, including Quaaludes, Valium, Somas, Vicodin, Demerol, marijuana, ecstasy, and more. Brock Pierce and Mark Collins Rector tried to push me into taking these drugs. I refused. They then offered me cocktails, which I accepted. I believe that they laced my cocktail with ecstasy. So maybe they're both involved in this stuff. It is hard to say. I also wanted to talk to you about the map of Connecticut Avenue in Washington, D.C., where these businesses are located. Again, you can find this online pretty easily. But the idea that this whole block is like a facade for pedophilia and the Clinton network manipulation machine is pretty wild. So from north to south, on the right side of the street, we have Comet Ping Pong, owned by Big Cheese LLC, James Alephantis, right next door to a restaurant or a coffee shop called Little Red Fox. Nothing super suspicious about that. It shares a wall with Bucks Fishing and Camping on the other side also owned by Big Cheese LLC, James Elephantis. So he owns two businesses with one jammed in the middle. Also on his Instagram account, one of the pictures that is suspect shows underground construction. Could be a tunnel, could be something else. But we've heard about tunnels and this kind of thing before. And let's move on. On the other side of Bucks Fishing and Camping is Best of Pizza. The pizza shop with the triangle in the triangle symbol which is almost identical, a slightly stylized version of what is on the FBI's website as a symbol used to represent a little boy lover. I don't know why a row of four businesses needs two that sell pizza anyway, but going down the street, Best of Pizza shares a wall on the other side with a inconveniently located Sherwin-Williams paint store. 
Down from that, we have Politics and Prose, a bookstore owned by Hillary Clinton's speechwriter. Famous readers at its author events have included politicians such as Bill Clinton and Barack Obama. So movers and shakers are on this street. That can't be called into question. And then we go on the other side of the street, and we have a restaurant called Banana Leaf. It shares a wall with Beyond Borders, a charity focused on Haiti, funded by the Clinton Foundation. There's weird stuff there. I mentioned in the show the story I'd read about Hillary and Bill visiting a voodoo priest in Haiti. I've also heard other claims that the earthquake and tsunami and the disasters Haiti has had have been targeted because of something that has to do with this whole network. Maybe punishment for trying to shut them down, but those are wild claims. It is just interesting, the Clintons' connection to Haiti and the disastrous decade and a half they've had weather-wise, if you think the elite use weather modification as a weapon or earthquake machines as a weapon. But I'm getting away from the main point here. Beyond Borders shares a wall with Terrasol Bistro and Artisan Gallery, which I mentioned in the episode. Terrasol has another one of these logos that's a symbol inside a symbol. This one's a heart inside a heart with a hand on it, and it looks very much like the symbol for little girl lover. Not as much as Best of Pizzas, but I mean, these symbols are across the street from each other as logos, and I don't know how many coincidences it takes to get an investigation done. So, it's interesting. And someone also sent me something about these streets being the bottom point of a pentagram because they do come to an intersection just past these businesses, but I can't confirm or deny the relevance of that. So, again, you gotta decide for yourself. A lot of this does hinge on the code. Do you think it's possible that these adults who are really excited about pizza and cheese pizza and pastas, is this code for something? Is it code for child pedophilia? But it's not just the codes, because you also have the symbols, of course, of Best of Pizza, which is two doors down from Comet Ping Pong, a place where Tony Podesta, an adult man, does have his birthday party there every year, says the internet. You also gotta include the artwork. The artwork in James Alephantis' Instagram, where these images are sexualizing pizza in a weird way. Just look at the artwork I used for this very episode. It came from that Instagram account. I think these things stack up. I think those three prongs, the code in the emails, the symbols in the businesses, and the artwork make a pretty solid case. There's another very suspect message that I don't think we read in the show. It came out of an invitation that was sent to several people from a woman, Miss Lozado. She invited many people, among them are John and Mary Podesta, to this farm in Lovettsville, And she says, we plan to heat the pool, so a swim is a possibility. Bonnie will Uber transport Ruby, Emerson, and Maeve, in parentheses 11, 9, and almost 7, so you'll have some further entertainment, and they will be in that pool for sure. So, are they bringing a 7, 9, and 11-year-old to this party to swim for the entertainment of adults? It definitely seems that way. And this ties into a story I've told on the show before, but there was a time where, through a series of events, I found myself at a producer's house in LA. I was excited just to see the inside of this massive place. But inside, he only had two photographs. One 
was right by the front door, a picture of him shaking hands with Obama, nothing weird, very typical PR photograph. But in his kitchen, he had a small framed photo of a naked boy about 8 to 10 years old swimming in a pool. You could see his ass. It was, I thought, fairly sexualized and definitely weird to have in your house. Now, if this is your kid and you have 50 pictures of your kid throughout the house and one of them, they're young and naked in a pool, that's not the end of the world. That's not that strange. It's like the Coppertone logo. But only having two photos and one of them being this, I thought it was strange. I actually took a video on my phone of me sweeping across the kitchen and then kind of stopping on that photograph so I had some verifiable evidence to back this story up. But somebody brought to my attention that it's probably not smart to have that on my phone, so it's long gone. But you can go back in the THC archives and hear me tell that story, and now we have this weird quote that is just very eerie in that context. But that's not all, folks. To add one more thing to the pile, when I was going back to that Open Secrets documentary, I watched a little bit more, and then this came up. They would pull away the better-looking younger kids and keep them for their own after-party, and it would turn into a pool party. And then they'd have their rules, oh, there's no swimsuits on in the pool. That was the rule. If you were staying at the mansion overnight, you had to go into the hot tub naked during their parties. Everybody's at a normal party. Nobody had swimsuits. And the parties were not just for the young boys and for their amusement. It was also a way to entice investors. And they got a lot of investors who would jump into the hot tub with these boys. So that's pretty creepy too, right? (laughs) But man, that is Pizzagate in a nutshell. Like I said, I think vote.co, V-O-A-T dot C-O is the best place to go to keep following this thing. If you know the story of the Franklin scandal, you know how serious they are about covering these things up, making distractions, and sweeping it all under the rug. So that's something to remember when you hear, it's all a hoax, it's all a hoax. And I can't prove anything here, but I know the mainstream media has a bad track record when it comes to protecting high-level pedophilia. So we are on our own, people, and we're doing the best we can. Thanks for listening. If you only heard the first hour, sign up for THC Plus and hear the second of this and every episode. I did feel a little bit weird about the paywall and almost just put out the whole two-hour episode for free because it is so important. But to be honest, a lot of Higher Side Chat's topics are important. And again, it's not like I'm the only one with this information. This is how the show is formatted, regardless of what we cover, so it is what it is. Anyway, I love you guys. Thanks for listening. I hope you thought that was fairly objective. Although we've been talking about pedophilia among the elite for decades in the conspiracy world, you gotta find it eventually. So now you know. Take as much stock in it as you deem appropriate, and let's hope a real investigation is done at some point. Because what else can we do? That is it for me this episode. I've done my part. Your move, pizza-loving pedophiles. Your fucking move.